This is a second podcast concerning the work of Nigel Neal, and it's entitled When I'm 64. And the reference to the old song touches me because it uh, conveys the great question of the older, wiser cohort versus the younger, scrambling, engaged cohort. And is there any real reason to live and gain experience? And maybe a little wisdom based upon the kind of Steve Jobs shattering, which I will refer to vis-a-vis his remarkable Stanford commencement address, and the possibility that the young might have something to teach the old, and the old have something to teach the young. Now, I'm going to begin by talking about Nigel Neal again, because it is his uh, achievement in the script to his uh, penultimate uh, Quatermass work, entitled Quatermass, the Thames TV Houston produced miniseries in England that was aired in 1979, but actually birthed in 1972 and 73 by Nigel Neal. It is that remarkably insightful and actually very positive discussion of old age versus youth, or, quote, wisdom, end of quote, that is produced through recollection and contemplation as over against the question of where the youthful energy is meant to go in a perfect world that provides the background to the podcast. Now, in Quatermass, which you can see every single one of its parts on YouTube in a very high-quality definition uh, print, in the uh, uh, Quatermass 1979, Neil has uh, produced the very... A remarkably interesting picture of a youth generation that are so debilitated and depressed and blocked by a world gone mad uh, between violent inner city gangs and urban pollution and uh, um, kind of a retreat of the elderly to the cellars and behind closed doors and a no gas and a very troubled ecological kind of disaster, which America and uh, Russia have somehow emerged relatively healthy in the face of, but England and countries like that are in a terrible social uh, uh, decayed state. He has this picture of a uh, large and ever-growing and, in a way, completely uh, victorious youth cult called the Planet People. Now, I've talked about them in the more recent podcast. What's so fascinating about the Planet People? They're sort of a Woodstock generation, but done up in 1979 with a very strong religious urge. Is they're all uh, they're they're all wanting to escape the world. They have this idea that if they gather in large groups in kind of circular places from Wembley Stadium to Stonehenge to Ringstone Round, which is the um, the Stonehenge substitute for this particular script, they will be beamed up by a great cosmic light that is actually has an entirely 
um, uh, dreadful and malicious, hostile purpose. But it appears to them, watching other kids, that they're being lifted off the world in a great beam of light and being transported to an idyllic world or planet. And these young people, they're all between the ages of about 13 and 29 uh, 25, really. They, they're they so desperate to leave the world, they're so unengaged, that they gather in hopes of being transported. Now, isn't this interesting? Because the sort of uh, governing uh, cliche is that young people want to be engaged and scramble to move ahead. And there's certainly a, a matrix there, a paradigm there that we see everywhere. But there's a competing um, thing in the late 60s, which Neil is drawing on. But I believe it's very deep, as I talked about the great young heroines and heroes, St. Clair and um, Pacomius and uh, um, Ambrose, you know, the, 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 uh, the 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 uh, the the people who origin you know who in an adolescent time wished to leave the world and had this energy the Buddha you know there's so many of these people historically that wanted to leave and uh, so Neil has shown this mammoth uh, religious movement not of engagement and fever but rather opting out to go to a better place now that is important you who think that you understand uh, uh, I understand that at one point very deeply. And uh, to think that uh, the hyperventilating, um, overly engaged, uh, uh, you know, married with children, the parenthood people are not uh, in competition with another voice of the young, which is the Franciscan, the uh, getting, we gotta get out of this place if it's the last thing we ever do. You know, Eric Burden was only 22 when he sang that lyric and when he believed that lyric and when it made such an impact. We gotta get out out of this place. I was watching uh, the old Woodstock uh, performance the other night of Crosby, Stills, and Nash singing Wooden Ships. Wooden Ships on the Water. A very powerful song. Uh, And you hear uh, one of Nash or Stills or Young saying, we got to escape the madness over the track at some point. I think it's at the beginning, but it may be at the end. It's an interpolated but live uh, word. We've got to escape. So um, let's remember that that, that all of us looking out upon the world as it is are often revolted by what we see and desperately want to escape. Now, parenthetically, someone I know <coughs> recently wrote me, and the uh, who's still involved in the Episcopal Church culture wars, which are have gone up another notch apparently in the last few weeks, whatever this is, and. Um, a lovely fellow who's ordained and has been ordained for a long time, and uh, he, um, uh, he he's involved. He cannot help but be involved in whatever the current uh, problems are, but they're very costly and, and a, sort of a lose-lose for people on all sides of the, um, I almost said the ecological divide. But uh, this fellow, who's a very fine chap and a very mature um, uh, man, said, um, I, I, I've, I'm, I'm just... I'm just dying to escape the madness. I mean, there was Crosby, Stills, and Nash, you know, the summer of 69, whenever that was. And uh, here's um, here's uh, this man in the midst of a uh, very dispiriting um, mudslinging contest in an old uh, uh, context of the Christian church. And he's saying, I just am, I'm just 
counting the moments to escape this madness. I once asked another person who was very involved in these wars, uh, these particular wars, and these culture wars are all over the place. They're not just in churches, but they are very unbecoming when they are in Christian environments. And this fellow, I said, you know, what's your perspective on this terrible thing that we seem to be experiencing on all sides, this this imploding of things that we have valued that is now becoming a shouting match of of, of of people just uh, uh, attacking one another, and he said, "Oh, I'm I'm oh, I spend all my time working on my exit strategy." Now that was another way of putting it. I spend all my time working on my exit strategy. So look, you don't tell me that the answer is to have a renewed passion of involvement. That's not um, the way actually it pans out. Because the two people I've just mentioned are very mature and very engaged, and they're utterly involved, and they're in their their forties. And yet, uh, if the truth be known. Uh, they are both um, dying to, like uh, Crosby, C.S. and Y. Um, C.S.N. and Y. Escape the madness like the children in uh, 1979. They're sort of like on a children's crusade, but they're all teenagers. They're all past puberty. And they bring youngsters who are in their late 30s as well as youngsters who are in their 16s. And they're all desperate to escape. And it's a very powerful metaphor. And it's actually a reality. And uh, what uh, is so fascinating about um, this particular serial from 1979, Quatermass 79, with John Mills playing uh, the old retired professor, Dr. Uh, Bernard Quatermass. And I'm going to talk about him for a minute now and then switch to Steve Jobs briefly. I'm more of an authority, if that's the right word, on Professor Quatermass, who I've looked up to for 40 years, uh, than uh, I am of uh, uh, an authority on the uh, one of the masters of the digital age. But um, there's a definite tie-in here, and a, another friend of mine pointed this out. Uh, Quatermass, seeing uh, what the world is like, Bernard Quatermass, in the science fiction uh, dramas that uh, Nigel Neal wrote, he wrote one, two, three, four, and add one, five, if you add the final BBC kind of audio uh, radio show uh, about the Quatermass memoirs. He uh, pictured this man as a man who had finally come to the point after his great adventures of fighting all sorts of forces in Britain and ultimately using scientific rationalization, uh, positivism, uh, scientific positivism to defeat these entities. He finally retires uh, to the uh, western part of Scotland where he has a kind of semi-normal but completely removed life. He cannot go on. He's now 70, the John Mills character. John Mills played him, I think, at age uh, like almost exactly 70 years old when John Mills played the man in the final installment here, and uh, the televised one. And he's become a world rejecter. He, he's looking back on his life with tremendous regret, but he also has to get out of the fire. He knows what the world can do, and he stood up to the world in three Three different remarkable movies and teleplays and uh, BBC documentary um, uh, serials, but each time he stood up to a world that did not want to hear him prophetically, and he proved to be right, and he won a great victory for quote mankind. And uh, uh, then he's completely forgotten, and they cover up the story, and it's sort of a, a Mueller, you know, Mulder, Fox Mulder, Scully situation, where Dana Scully, where um, after it's all been done, the FBI covers it over, so nobody gets the credit and nobody knows what happened. Well, that's the world, and he finally rejects the world and goes to the western part of Scotland. But he comes out of uh, retirement at age 70 at the very first episode of Quatermass 
1979. And you think he's come to the BBC in the thing it's called British Television Headquarters, which is now surrounded by siege works because the work, the world of that part of London is entirely sunk to um, Crips and Bloods type uh, violence between young gangs. And he finally makes it to the show, and they think he's there to make a comment on a the space race that the U.S. and the Russians have just to, uh, buried the hatchet on or are doing something up in the sky about the space race. And he's talking about Little Britain that what can we do? And it's a mistake from top to bottom. We've got such problems here. Remember Glenda Collins' song, Joe Meek's great one? Um, that beautiful final song, the word escapes me, but look it up, Glenda Collins's last single. Um, I think it's called It's Hard to Believe It, and that's the spirit of what, it's hard to believe it, and that's the spirit of what um, Bernard Quatermass is saying, but then it comes out in the middle of this uh, sort of Dave Garraway slash uh, late night uh, discussion on BBC TV that actually he's not come out of uh, retirement for that reason at all. The reason he's really come out of retirement is because um, Quatermass uh, has a a daughter and son-in-law who've both been killed in in Germany in in an automobile crash on the Autobahn, Autobahn, and they have uh, left a daughter named Hetty, I think her name is, a 12-year-old daughter, uh, 12, 13, but no older. And uh, she has come to live with him, and she is the only light in his life. There's no wife mentioned that we don't know anything about Quatermass. Obviously, he was married and had a grown daughter whose whose death resulted in his uh, becoming a father, uh, grandfather, a fatherly grandfather to his granddaughter, and who's now run away to join the planet people. She's run away to join the, to follow the dead, you know, to follow fish, and in this particular situation, to follow this uh, notion of getting away from this world by means of uh, ringstone round and gathering with thousands of other young people at the, at the, uh, at the Neolithic um, stone hinges. And I was just, as I said, uh, about a minute from one uh, a week ago in the Cotswolds, the Rollerite Stones. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Now, that's very interesting. And he shows himself with tremendous passion. John Mills, all of a sudden, stops being dyspeptic and angry about the space race and a very disillusioned old man type of guy. And then he suddenly comes out, but what I'm really here to do is I'm here to find my granddaughter. And this is pictures of her. And he shows right up to the camera, like on Skype, he shows pictures. And if anyone has seen her, if any, please. And it turns out that the only reason he's come out of uh, his hermitage uh, in Winter Garden, I mean, in the Western Highlands, is actually to save and locate his distressed granddaughter. Now, that's interesting. His renewed engagement which has nothing to do with a change in his view of the of the destroying, corrupting, contaminating, and finally dying world, which it is. He, uh, you know, loved not the world and the things of the world. He has a very biblical hermitage in uh, western um, Transylvania, Scotland, and he now, um, not from biblical grounds, but from just sheer observational grounds, uh, has left the world in hopes of being... Uh, just living out his concluding years and reflecting on them. But no, sir, he leaves to come down. And in this great pilgrimage, which is so beautifully uh, presented in this uh, remarkable, um, not perfect, uh, there are many things you could change about it, but they did it. I mean, let's give people credit when they do sort of a 20-part, four-episode, but sort of 20-part 
a miniseries of anything. It may not be perfect, just like the, the stand wasn't perfect, the one they did with, uh, what is it, San Giacomo and all those wonderful actors and actresses. It, in the 80s, it wasn't perfect, but it was better than nothing. They did something. And this one is basically, it's about 85% good with about 10% sort of things that don't work, but about 85% of it works, and it clearly works, is that the older man is engaged enough because of the love for his grandchild. That is why he comes out of his retirement. Well, that's really what the thing is about, and that's really the only thing I can want to say to you as I talk about when I'm 64. You get to the point when you really look at the world and you realize nothing, it's not going to be a better place. The old thing is, you know, I want to leave the world a better place for my children. That's, that's a mistake. That's a, that's a self-deception. That's a rationalization. That's, a, that's not a true statement because the world has never gotten any better for our grandchildren. Therefore, because it's never happened before, yes, there have been technological advances and there have been a thousand different things and hundreds of diseases have been conquered. There's been great progress. All sorts of things have changed. But the core dynamics of the aggressive libidinal id of the human situation as reflected in wars and rumors of wars hasn't changed on iota since the Roman legions were carrying their eagle in Cappadocia. You know, it hasn't changed an iota in terms of the realities and the fundamental blockage of death to all human attempts to better anything. And uh, uh, we're still at war in, you know, Mark Rutherford said in 1903, you know, if we were a Christian people in any way, we would not be at war in South Africa. Well, what would he say today? Well, he'd be shut up. He would be shut up. I was in uh, England recently, and it was very interesting. You know, I'd heard all about these uh, these cameras everywhere, but it is true that everywhere you go in, every loo you go in, every public place you go in, every when you go between cars of a railway uh, car to move from one car to another, or you try to find the loo, which is four cars up, or you need to put your baggage in a particular place while you get a chair in this totally overcrowded uh, public transport situation, you see these little signs are in yellow with a kind of funny electrical-looking arrow that says uh, CCTV uh, camera, CCTV in operation. Warning, CCTV, I think it's closed uh, circuit, CCD, closed circuit television, CCTV in operation. And these signs are everywhere. You realize you can't even, you know, um, attend to yourself. You can't uh, walk from one um, pillar to the next uh, like Henry Hull did in uh, Werewolf of London, you know, when he changed in that wonderful movie. It's not a very good movie, but it has a great lycanthropy change situation where the, he changes from a human to a werewolf by going through sort of four con- uh, consecutive stages by being hid by a pillar between his walks, his steps, and it's very artificial but extremely cool. Jack Kerouac loved it, but... um. You, he couldn't do that because they'd catch him on camera uh, in the middle of the one and a half steps, you know. So the point is that when you look at that, you say, is the world a better place? I mean, Orwell talked about it, and here it is. Uh, but um, you could say the same about the mall, you know, where I live, or the mall where you live, or the uh, situation with your daughter and your son today, or the situation with your mother and your father today as it was 100 years ago. Uh, cousins used to say that just as many uh, acts of uh, quote, um, uh, illicit intercourse uh, uh, took place in, uh, um, in barns and in hayricks in, uh, in 1880, as they did in the back seats of cars in the 1950s and 60s. Uh, it, it was just the change of venue. And you, you'll see that, by the way, in Clara Hopgood, the remarkable novel by Mark Rutherford, uh, La Plus Change. And uh, therefore, um, why would you really not 
agree with Quatermass, to find a little uh, hospice, uh, a little quiet cottage, maybe even without electricity, uh, in the western part of uh, Scotland, hopefully with maybe a generator. Uh, But he comes out of it. He comes out of it and makes the trek to London and uh, undergoes an enormous number of uh, terrible obstacles in order to try to locate his granddaughter and in doing so saves the world. Let me repeat that. In doing so saves the world. Now that's something. Now, um, so there is hope. Uh, when I'm 64, uh, and in this case, Quatermass is 70, uh, he's absolutely right to reject the world. And he also notes that the young are rejecting it as passionately as the old because they all want to go to another place. Remember that song by the Euro gliders, that wonderful Australian group called uh, I Don't Want to Live in This Place. Um, I want to find a better way. Ooh, there's got to be a better way. Ooh, I don't want to live in this place. Um, These were young, full of energy. An English couple and the backup musicians, uh, sorry, Australian couple, a fabulous song by the Eurogliders, and uh, this reflects the planet people, and it reflects Quatermass, but Quatermass, out of renewed love for his uh, grandchild, maybe he'd been reading uh, Victor Hugo's L'Aude d'être grand-père, and he'd been seeing something there, I don't know, but I wouldn't know what had happened, he'd, he'd fallen in love with his granddaughter, in the very right and proper way of the absence of a mother and father, he had he had the sense of tremendous responsibility and love for this young child who whose parents had been killed, and so he was standing in uh, loco parentis uh, uh, actually, parentorum. I think that's the right. Uh, maybe parentus, but in loco. And uh, so he came out of retirement. Now let's uh, just talk uh, one more time about this message. When I'm 64, Steve Jobs, I think, was 56, maybe 58, but. Uh, when he died, he uh, left behind a uh, speech that you can all see, and Mockingbird has highlighted the speech. And by the way, um, uh, I, I, this podcast that I give, I'm not paid for this. I could certainly use it, but I'm not paid for this one dime for these podcasts, and I didn't set it up that way. But if you, um, but I am supported, and uh, my expenses to actually do the podcast are uh, paid for by gifts to Mockingbird. And uh, if you like these podcasts, They do not grow on trees. I mean, I wish I were paid, but I'm not, and I didn't ask to be. Uh, uh, But if you want to support Mockingbird in helping me with the expenses of doing this and getting all the materials that I use, because occasionally I need materials to consult. I can't do it all through Wikipedia or mostly my memory. So um, I just – because Mockingbird publicizes these and gets the message out, they are the sponsor of the podcast in an official sense. So so if you're ever, um, you know, at the end of the year, you, you would, you'd like to make a contribution to something that you believe in, if you believe in what I'm attempting to try to do, haltingly, week to week, uh, then make a contribution to Mockingbird. Uh, you can look up there at www.mbird.com and you'll see a way to do it. And it would be much appreciated by the sponsors and certainly by me as a, a token of uh, your confidence in this. But now back to Steve Jobs. He gave this Stanford uh, commencement address. And he basically said that he'd had two extraordinary reversals in his life. But the reversals, this was sort of the secular equivalent of what uh, I often, we want to call the theology of the cross. That is uh, the Nazareth principle. God was present in the reversals. One was a very public failure at Apple a very public failure in his business. And the other was the early diagnosis of cancer. And uh, these two things, which made him feel naked, uh, created a tremendous uh, seedbed of of future uh, creativity, Uh, the first and the second. And uh, um, a friend of mine, whose opinion I 
judge very highly, uh, wrote me this uh, today reflecting on a podcast on this question. Maybe Steve Jobs, my friend wrote, can help that younger cohort of folk, dash, scrambling to assert their ascendancy, dash, so that they are to see that they are without clothes. Maybe Steve Jobs can help that younger cohort of folks scrambling to assert their ascendancy uh, to see that they are without clothes, but that this is in itself a step forward and not a block. Um, the great uh, power of the planet people is they see that they're without clothes. They, they see that this world is for the birds, and they live kind of with a kind of a, what, carry blankets around, and they're blanketeers. They're 21st century blanketeers or late 20th century blanketeers. If you know about the Manchester blanketeers in the early part of the 19th century, they have nothing but the, their their little gods uh, and their kind of blankets they carry around and dresses if they're female and old uh, jeans if they're male. Um, and they walk around looking for these places where they think they can off get off planet, off world, to quote Blade Runner. And uh, uh, this is very... Um, powerful, that uh, the message of uh, Steve Jobs could be that uh, those who are scrambling to assert their ascendancy could see that they are without clothes, but this is not a block. It's a step forward, and and that is absolutely powerful. And that uh, Quatermass could, uh, the disillusioned old man of 70, could come back down to London and uh, uh, completely blank, blank to England, blanked up England, and could, out of love for the one person he has in a human sense uh, to whom he feels a personal bond and love, that uh, that would be sufficient motivation among the older generation. That is the love of the younger generation personally expressed. And Quatermass 79 uh, expresses this. The whole last third of it is how about the older, the age, aging generation, the old people finally get the message and are able to work together to save the young who are simply unable in their uh, heedless and hypnotized desire to leave this engaged world. The actual older ones, the non-engaged, decide to become engaged out of love, and they do in fact save the entire younger um, world. And that is a very uh, powerful message. Now I close uh, today uh, by uh, quoting a headline that my a correspondent has devised, which he thinks would be um, a wonderful reference for all uh, people who are obsessed with the identification with the um, fever of life that is absolutely um, dead-ended. We know this from life and death and experience, but we can't tell them, but wouldn't this be a fabulous headline to read? And this is his the headline. To me, it could be from The uh, Onion, but it's not. It's from my friend. This is his headline that he imagines would be quite remarkable. White House staff, comma, shaking off pressures, comma, retreats to wilderness to ponder nation's woes, period. Contemplation likely to take months. <laughs> well, that's never going to happen, but it's a great thought. And, um, the great advantage that I was given to spend two years plus, uh, here in, a small town in the American South to think over what it all came down to. The fact that Quatermass at age 70 has been doing so and yet finds the power in love to renew his engagement, but with an entirely um, careless in the truest sense. 
uh, uh, he, he doesn't really care what happens to him because his love for his granddaughter has so um, uh, moved him and he has no illusions whatsoever about the kind of re- uh, reception he's going to get. And um, this picture of the young people as the planet people, you've got to see this. They're tromping around uh, Salisbury Plain looking for escape. And Steve Jobs, who has now escaped, and yet we do so profoundly wish that his message of the nakedness of crisis and disease and professional reversal would be seen ultimately as a great step forward. I have no illusions. I don't think it's going to happen. But I know that for those whom it, for whom it does happen, it becomes the beginning of wisdom. Thank you so very much for listening, and God bless.